AnteUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AnteUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's May 11th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott, addicted to Paul and Long. Oh, man. I thought I was going to be the one that was nasally today. Oh, no, I'm not nasally. I'm just going to probably go through um, uh, an entire investment portfolio Kleenex stock today. <laughs> Trust me, you're nasally. <laughs> the show. So I apologize in advance to uh, the listeners who I know are hanging on every breath to see how many words I can mispronounce this week. So, You, uh, you know, there is a mute button, I think, somewhere along the <laughs> recording. Yeah, but then I forget that I muted and then I, I keep talking and then I <laughs> It's just better this way. It's better this way. All right. <laughs> uh, but no, it just like came out of the nowhere like the last couple of days. You know, That's it was, weird. Uh, I, I was up in uh, Washington, D.C., Baltimore area for the weekend and literally landed there and my head exploded. Just exploded. Cherry blossoms. And then I, I'm now I'm home. I'm back in Florida. It's still going on. So I don't know if I brought that back with me or just everything's going on. But. It's insane. So, are you the type that if you found out you were allergic to your cats, you'd keep the cats anyway? Well, no, because I was allergic to cats when I met Laura, and so this is the very interesting thing. So, you know, obviously I was uh, pretty sweet towards her, so I had to find a way to to make this work, right? Yeah. And uh, but growing up, I was deathly allergic to cats, uh, but not to dogs. So hmm. after a couple years with uh, Laura and our first cat Inky, uh, I was no longer allergic to cats. But now I cannot be around dogs. Oh, weird. Crazy how science works like that. Yeah, that's weird. And I can never be around pollen, so. Yeah. So I hope, uh, you know, my second wife doesn't have a pet pollen. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you can look that up, actually, if... uh, (laughs) Let's see, who who is it? It's not Mimi Rogers anymore. It's uh, Kate Winslet, I think. Kate Winslet's the one of my... Yeah, Yeah. right. Okay. Just checking. Yeah, I don't believe she has a pet pollen, you know. (laughs) That, that was not on my daily updates I get from her. So, <laughs> uh, but all right. Anyhow, I mentioned I was up uh, up in the DC Baltimore area for a uh, wonderful weekend of hair metal head banging and uh, had a great time. Um, but uh, flew into Reagan National and literally like ten fifteen minutes from Reagan National Airport is MGM National Harbor. Yeah, one of the new uh, newest uh, resorts in the country and a phenomenal poker product they have there. Um, so uh, went over and see our, our, our good friend Johnny Grooms who's running it now he came from uh, the Beau Rivage and he ran a great room there and, and now he's running a fantastic room in just an amazing market up there and uh, brought another one of my uh, friends uh, Eric Comer up there that's helping him out so I had a great time uh, meeting with him and, and, and checking out the property and uh, really wasn't prepared for just how well 
that resort's doing. I mean, we've gotten a lot of reports from listeners that went there. Um, I haven't heard anything negative, I don't believe, from any of them. Everybody's enjoyed it. Um, so I know a lot of people are going there. We knew when this resort was going to open that it was going to do well just if, for no other reason, uh, proximity uh, yeah. and location. Um, and you throw in uh, folks that really know poker really well, like uh, Johnny and Eric, and then it's just, uh, you know, if I could have wagered on this property being successful, I would have put uh, my half of the company in and mm. quarter of yours. Mm. <laughs> I would have let you. <laughs> um, and to nobody's surprise, that's exactly what's going on. So, um, but there were a couple surprises. One, you know, when I was talking to him, um, anytime a new resort opens, we, we always kind of look at the, the geography of it. If it's and it's near other poker rooms, uh, we, you know, you have to do a calculation or in your mind, you wonder how much business uh, they're going to take away from where people play now. And, um, and and certainly they they did take some business away from from other places. But what the, what the thing that's really surprised them up there is that most of the business that they're getting now, which is again quite large, um, wasn't playing anywhere else before, at least in a casino environment before. So they're actually succeeded in growing the poker market up there, which is amazing. That right. doesn't happen very often. Right. So. So uh, congrats to them on that. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, the other big exciting thing is is that they are about two months away from moving into a larger uh, self-contained room. Uh, that's going to be up on the s- uh, second floor of the casino, which doesn't really exist now. I mean, it exists, but it's not being used for anything right now. Um, it was you know space put there to figure out what they wanted to do after the resort opened. Um, so... Uh, I got a little hard hat tour up of it, and uh, it's going to be really nice. So, you know, the the good thing is it's it's going to be its own room up there, which I'm a big fan of as a poker player. Um, I like, you know, the room to be siphoned off from the dinging of the slot machines and the smoke and all that stuff, although there's no smoke there anyhow, I don't think. Right. Uh, but it'll have its own bar and food service and all that and a, um, a little smoking deck, which is going to be, for smokers, it's going to be amazing. It's overlooking um, the river right there. And they have this really nice kind of like outdoor water feature amphitheater thing. Um, and that's right where the smoking deck is. So it's a nice view. Um, so that's going to be really good. Obviously, the downside is that uh, anytime you do this, uh, the, oh, let me back up. The upside, better way to say this, the upside of a room being on the main casino floor is traffic, right? You're, you're bringing people in that walking by. Maybe they just had a big score at the blackjack table or in the Baccarat pit and say, oh, I'd like to sit down and play Hold'em. And when you walk by, you see it. And like, all right, I'm going to do that. Whereas if it's on the second floor, you're not going to walk by it, right? So right. that's the downside. But uh, they're very excited about the all the upsides of it. So, um, And uh, it was just a comfortable room in there. I didn't get a chance to play because I, uh, I was on a time schedule. But uh, uh, they, had, they were just getting a satellite going. It was going well. But uh, the room was pretty full on a early Friday morning. Um but the other two things that I thought were really interesting is they've got two really interesting big games. Um, a sixty-one twenty limit game goes at least three days a week, and I was told it played like a three-six limit game. So, oh no way! <laughs> if you are a limit player and you can afford the those stakes, it sounds like it's a really good game to get into. Um, and they played it, and they have uh, in the existing room now they have one of those. Um, elevated sections right the and it's so that's where the game plays there so it was kind of nice to watch it for a little bit um but apparently a very very good game um for limit players um so you watch that game you watch that game i i I didn't watch it closely enough to watch how the action went but i I was watching it from a distance um like what chips were they using like 
Were they using black and greens and reds? Uh, like I think it's twenty dollar chips. So they're using twenty. I think they. I think is what you said. They made twenty dollar chips. Oh, they made twenty dollar chips. Okay. <clears throat> I believe that's correct. Um, okay. I could be wrong that, but crazy. Yeah. Um, which does sound kind of odd now, but I, I thought that's what he said. Um, but um, so yeah. So uh, and he told me next time come back, come back and and, and plan to spend some time just watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have, you know, two thousand bucks, which is kind of like what most people buy into that game, um, and you can afford afford to splash around a little bit. It sounds like it's a good aim for limit players. Um, and then the other thing they had running at the same time, and it runs pretty regularly, is a ten twenty five big O game. Uh, it was kind of shorthand. It, it played throughout the night, so they they fluctuated between I think heads up and six players. But that's a pretty big game as well too. And uh, the other interesting thing, a part of that, as they mentioned, is that while they still get a 4-8 Omaha 8 game from time to time, uh, all the other Omaha games, they're a big O now. People just don't want to go back to traditional Omaha after they get that fifth card. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to kind of take this past MGM National Harbor, I, I, that's what I'm wondering now. I mean, I, I, I would assume that this is probably a trend that's spreading everywhere, right? Um, but I don't know. Um but it stands to reason because, again, poker players, particularly now because, you know, the online influence, we, we just keep looking for that next shot of adrenaline, right? Yeah. So, you know, what usually happens is once you get a player from No Limit Hold'em to try PLO, it's really hard to get them to go back to No Limit Hold'em um, unless they're smart about game selection and that. But, you know, the, the thrill of it is much more exciting in PLO than it is No Limit Hold'em. And then now when he's throwing the fifth card, it just that makes it more interesting, and then it's almost like you know going back to your bicycle training wheels uh, to play traditional Omaha. So we, you and I were. It sounds like you know, old men here, but we were playing Big O before it was popular in California. Yeah, we played it out at uh, Pachanga. Yeah, we took together years ago. Right? It wasn't even yeah. called Big O then. They just called it Five Card Omaha. Five card Omaha, right? Yep, and they changed it. Yeah, it's now now known Big O everywhere. But yeah, and we we were thought that was really interesting then. Of course, we were playing at Limit, right? I think yeah. there, so it probably doesn't have the same adrenaline rush as as uh, Pot Limit does. But um, but yeah, it was an interesting game when we played it. I haven't actually played it much since then. I don't think. Um, so the ten twenty five game was Pot Limit. Yeah, I believe okay. it was. Okay. Uh, I assumed it was at ten twenty five. Twenty five. I just want to make sure though, because I'm probably yeah. going to write something about it. So okay. But um, <clears throat> but anyhow, so if folks uh, get up to the DC area, it's a real easy drive from the airport. Uh, real beautiful property, actually, and they walk me to the entire property. There's a lot of really neat things about it. Um, they uh, uh, one of the things that MGM likes to do, and, th- and this people are our fans that live up in Massachusetts will probably see this when the Springfield property opens up. I believe end of August is supposed to open. Um, MGM really tries to make their casino fit into the environment. Um, so in Springfield, it's a real kind of like industrial feel because uh, it's downtown area. Oh yeah. I hear they really wanted to play off of DC, so um, a lot of things might be subtle, uh, but it, it's it's they the building is like a big diamond kind of monumenty kind of looking thing, mm-hmm. um, and then the art throughout as well too. Um, uh, pays homage to you know DC with cherry blossoms and uh, and behind the hotel registration desk is this really cool mural. Uh, it's a it's a map of the DC Maryland area where it is made from stuff that they took out of the river. So it's all like all mud and um, like sticks and stuff. Right. But it looks 
like incredible art. So, but uh, so nice little touches like that. But it's it's a nice property. They get good concerts there. Uh, the food options look great. Um, but um, but definitely check it out if you're up there. Cool. Very cool. All right, uh, Gordon uh, Veo, the runner-up in the 2016 World Series of Poker main event, has sued poker stars for not paying him his $700,000 for winning a scoop event last year. Poker stars nullified the prize, claiming uh, Veo had played the event within the United States, which is against the online poker giant's terms of service. Uh, Veo claims he provided proof that he played the entirety of the event in Canada as allowed. Stars still insist that it is not, it is, quote, not inconceivable that Veo was in the U.S. for a portion of the event. Uh, classic case of he said it said. <laughs> he said it said. That's funny. I liked it. Um, I think it's Vio. I'm not sure how to say his name, but I, there's an investment group. They say Vio and it's spelled that way, so I'm not sure. Um, it's been a while since I've heard his name on TV, so I can't remember. But this is this is interesting uh, because I, I don't. Obviously, we don't know what happened. We we both can't know. But one is saying one, one is saying the other. So, like I said, but there are ways for players to play in the United States but have their ISP look as if it's coming from somewhere else. Absolutely. And so, I mean, and maybe PokerStars has a way of detecting that, so maybe that's why they're so convinced that they shouldn't pay him that money. Um, But it's it's interesting. I don't know what his argument... And that's part of the what's interesting to me is that I don't know how convinced Stars is, right? You know, if their quote is, quote, not inconceivable. <clears throat> yeah. It's almost like saying, uh, well, the sun is blue. No, it's not. Well, it's not inconceivable that it could be blue. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's the dumb and dumber argument, right? So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so I, th- that, that I found was interesting because you would think that there would be like, hey, we are clear. Clearly, we know that he was in the U.S. for a portion of it. And I don't know where in Canada it was. Obviously, he must be on the border, right? So, yeah. um, so I don't know if they thought that he, in the middle of this tournament, <laughs> drove across to from Niagara Falls to Niagara Falls, or <laughs> or what it is. I mean, that does that that I'm trying to wrap my head around how that happens in the middle of a, a tournament that you. I mean, I guess you can play on your phone, or you know, when you're somebody else is driving you. I guess, but. Doesn't seem like if you're playing for a seven hundred thousand dollar top prize, I'm going to think that you are stationary, right? Yeah, you're going to be in some stable environment. I would think, but I don't know. Um, but so, so that that's all interesting. But now the lawsuit is filed here in the United States, so that's going to be interesting to me as well, too, just to see if it gets to that point. If it actually goes to trial, and these things, you know, don't always go to trial. But if it is, what what a, an interesting trial that's going to be a poker pro, a U.S. poker pro. Suing a international online poker company that's already kind of persona negrata in oh, yeah. the U.S. to begin with for not paying a prize when he claims he was playing in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. I just don't know. You know that saying: uh, you don't want to win a pot on a technicality. This is kind of the reverse of it. It's kind of like, you know, technically he wasn't in Canada. Or how do you? You know, what I mean, it's like, do you really? I wonder if they're just being super cautious because of all the crap they've gone through in the United States. Oh, I'm sure that's what it is. Absolutely. Right, it's got to be it. So they don't be part of. I <clears throat> know. Kind of, hey, we 
hearing late, like down the road, hey, you know, I won the 700,000 bucks and for seven hands of it, I was <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah. And it ruined everything, right? Um, but I would think, I would have to think that if you withhold $700,000 from someone, they're going to do something about it, right? So maybe they didn't expect this, but I think they would have had to. Um, or maybe they wanted it to happen. Maybe now they can come in and say, hey, we are... You know, we are firmly against any of our players playing in the United States. We understand it's not legal here other than the states it is, and we are abiding by that, and therefore we are taking a stand against players that we believe violated that. And, it could be a PR thing for them, right? Yeah, and here's another thing, too, and it, this, this has me curious now that we're talking more about this. When I uh, was playing Papes a little while ago, somehow when I got the software update, I, I don't know if I was – I was trying to get chips, like play chips or something – and I think I may have hit the real money or something, and it comes up okay. on the screen. It says, what, I don't, it may even have like a logo or something, but it says, you know, you're in the United States, you can't play on here for real money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So how did Gordon, got did he get into the United States in this tournament and keep playing in the United States when all these flags should have gone up and said, hey, you're in the United States right now, you can't play? How did that, how could he have possibly sidestepped all of those warnings and all of those precautions that they take and get away with it for just well, a few no hands or whatever i mean or is it a there's no way you can do it when i when i was trying there's no way i could do it you i can't uh, just like I try to because i don't think he's sidestepping anything that, that you bring up a great point i'm like i don't know how it works yeah and obviously there's a trigger when you sign on and check your ip but maybe I, I would assume that it's always tracking your IP, right? Yeah, I think so. so. If you move to a different IP address or a different location, or but you know, again, I, I'm technologically stupid on some of this stuff. I mean, I understand it's easy to manipulate that. I also don't understand the how how large a geographic area is too. Which um, you know, I was looking up an IP address for another thing the other day, and you know, the three companies that you do the IP search on all gave me a different city, all within 20 miles from here, but they all listed a different city right yeah so, yeah so conceivably i would imagine that if you are playing right on the border of canada even if you're technically in there <laughs> that depending the ip could extend across the border and maybe that's the cautionary tale maybe if you're playing in canada be sure you're <laughs> yeah you're far enough away because <laughs> it's uh, not uh, inconceivable that the not inconceivable yes um, so then I wonder, like, let's just say this goes and PokerStars is correct and they nullify his prize, which, by the way, I st still think that's kind of harsh. Um, but anyway, because they don't have a system in place that kept him from doing it, so it's not his fault. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, he did yeah, something that's wrong. A really, that's a big problem for him, right? If yeah. they, they were able to, <clears throat> system was good enough to detect that he wasn't there. Oh, he wasn't, he was no longer a candidate, but he was in the U.S., but not strong enough to stop him from playing. That's an issue. And then what? The guy who finished third gets the seven hundred grand, and everybody moves up. And then the guy who thought he didn't cash now gets the money. Or do you oh. just divide that seven hundred grand among the rest? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm assuming they just qualify that seven hundred, but then they can't really keep it, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know what they do at that point. Yeah, they can't keep it. That's player's money. So third place gets it, and then the rest of the guys and the guys who finish in the bubble now get a all of a sudden a check well, in sure there. I'm sure all that's spelled out in the terms of agreement. So if you, there's things that people never read, right? You yeah. just click on. So that's probably all spelled out in there. What happens there? But wow, 
Well, I'll be interested to see if, like, yeah, if it gets to even the discovery phase here, because um, uh, Gordon was was adamant in the articles I was reading that he he provided very strong proof. Um, I, don't, I don't know what that proof is. I mean, how do you prove that you were there the entire tournament? I mean, do you have a were you? I mean, I guess if you're twitching yourself, uh, right? Yeah. You can you can see that you were stationary and never moved. Other than that, I. Well, the internet service provider might be able to do something for him, too. They might be able to say he was well, logged yeah, on to this website. That's probably part of the problem I think we're talking about. Is <laughs> yeah. The range, too. So, I mean, I don't, I don't. again, I mean, our, our technological geeky listeners here will be, I'm sure we'll flood our email box with how all this works here. But um, I don't think unless you're like NASA, <laughs> you can pinpoint an exact location with right. IP. So that's not going to help, I don't think. But. I don't know. I know. It's very interesting. Uh, I'd love to see how it plays out if it has to play out. Um, let's see what more we learn about it. But. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll keep you updated on this story. Any updates? Yigi, that's spelled Y I G G I Y, is a new Anyup partner looking to eventually host a two million dollar free roll in a Las Vegas casino. For now, they're looking for beta testers for their free to play online product. And those who are eligible by state law and who take part will be entered into nightly one hundred dollar free rolls and more. To sign up, visit yigi, Y-I-G-G-I-Y, dot com. And if you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Annie Up in your home area, apply at com slash ambassadors. We have immediate openings in the Northeast, Michigan, and Northern California. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. So what's up, Tom Jones? Come on, we're not going to do this again. All right, two weeks in a row, Tom Jones is helping us out, and we appreciate it. He says, Actually, no, I, I slipped somebody in last week to split it up a little bit. Oh, okay, so two out of three Probably weeks. Why you forgot you already did the Tom Jones jokes. So. All right. I, I <laughs> can't help myself when I see it. It's either that or I think of the, the columnist in the St. Pete Times, Tampa Times, my friend back home. All right, so anyway, he says, uh, there are these hearing aid apps that you can download on your phone. This makes it so sound is amplified, and you can hear things a lot better. We tested one particular app to see just what we can hear from across the poker table after a home game one night, and it was amazing what can be picked up with these things. My buddy and I were talking about this and thinking maybe this would be good for picking up mumbles, things said under breath, and breathing patterns. Would this app be ethical? Is there something about using technology to enhance your hearing that would be frowned upon by the casino, players, or general poker community? We had an interesting conversation and wanted to see what you think. Well, first of all, if I know somebody's doing this, I am going to not hold back on my sneezes from my pollen. Blow their eardrums out. But no, seriously, uh, I, it's an interesting discussion, as as he mentioned. Um, I don't think there's anything illegal about it. I mean, obviously, people have hearing loss and need hearing aids. Um so I don't know how at the table you could decide who's legitimately using a hearing aid because he or she can't hear and needs to be able to hear the action, or somebody who's has perfect hearing but wants to have Superman hearing <laughs> to pick up across the, the table, right? Yeah. So, um, but he didn't ask about illegal. He asked about ethical. Um, I, 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 I'm struggling to find a, an ethical problem with this. Uh, maybe you will, but. Um, I, it, it has that 
it has a strain of it doesn't seem right right, right to it right but you know poker is a game of perception and, and information and you know some people at the table don't spend the time to actually listen to the conversations around the table so here you are just trying to make it a little easier to hear the conversations around the table and if I'm a player and I don't want somebody to hear what I'm saying, the best way to prevent that from happening is not say it, right? So, Okay, so I'm going to take the extreme angle just for um, just to make a point. Not that I'm being sincere about the possibilities of this, but I'm going to take the extreme route just to prove a point here. So what this app is doing, it's increasing your ability to hear better than you're already able to hear. So if they invented something that would allow you to see through cards, your vision is better to see through the cards than what you can with your eyes right now or what makes you legally 20-20. They don't make your eyes 10-10 or whatever it is when they give you glasses. They bring you up to 20-20 because that's what the human eye can do. So if I can hear better and whatever the number is for hearing. I don't even know how they gauge that. But if if my hearing, if human hearing is 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 the threshold of what a human being can do and you're you're supposed to be pitted against other humans, then when they're using this app, I can find it unethical because you are getting hearing better than what the human ear is a, is is able to do. It's one thing if it's just, hey, this app brings me up to the twenty twenty of hearing. Then it's like, okay, well, then you're just hearing like a normal human being. But if you're hearing like a dog, you know, then something's not right because now you are not being, it's, it, you're falsely representing the human that you are in this room. And so, same thing with vision. If somehow you did have Superman vision since you brought it up, you could see through the card and see the pips and see the colors and see the numbers, and you would know what those cards are. But we wouldn't know it because we don't know you're wearing those contact lenses that do that. And that's unethical because you're cheating that way. I'm just saying for an extreme example, okay, <laughs> what if you had the ability... Of examples. You know how they have cloaking devices now? They're starting to work on one of the... I don't know, one of these new universities. Of, I think it was Penn State actually has got this cloak device now they're working on. I mean, you know, if you had a friend who could wear the cloaking device and stand behind the guy and tell you his cards, you know what I mean? That's... It's illegal, but it's science that's helping that person do that, and it's science that's helping Tom here listen to people who are 10 feet away. So I'm just saying, ethically, yeah, I think I I have a little bit of a problem with it, especially if you don't need it to hear things. And if you do need it to hear things, it shouldn't make it so that you can hear, you know, everything that's going on, you know, on Neptune. To me, this is something that is beyond human ability. And that's what makes it unethical. So there you go. I found a way. All right. So a couple of things here. One, uh, let's start with the fact that he says, uh, would it be frowned upon by the casino players or general poker community? So I think you just answered that question, right? Yeah. Regardless of whether it's deemed to be ethical or not or legal or not, uh, there are obviously going to be people that do frown upon this. Now, I don't know whether it's the casino, because again, I think it goes back to my first argument that you know, unless Casino wants to start asking all players to bring a doctor's note <laughs> right. explaining their hearing loss, uh, I don't know how you're going to go by telling people they can't 
uh, use hearing aids or hearing apps, right? Right. But certainly players, um, there are probably a majority of players, I would probably guess, that would say, yeah, this does not live up to the smell test, right? Right. So if you're worried about that, you should be worried about that. Um, now, to go back to your extreme example, I guess the one hole I would punch in that is that uh, I'm not saying the technology won't be there someday, but I, I can't imagine a technology, an app right now that allow you to see through cards and see the suits. <laughs> so if you get to that point, now you're getting information that people, other people can't get. Um, the fact that you're hearing conversations on the other side of the table that people on that side of the table are hearing, but you're not is a different story, I think, to me. So now you're just getting the same information that other players at the table are getting. You're just not able to get it from your side of the table with your normal human, non-dog-like hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a little different. I mean, I, I appreciate and understand the where you're going with that, but I do think it's a little different. Um, but I, I think the general takeaway from this is, you know, if you feel uncomfortable about it, then you there's probably a reason you feel uncomfortable about doing this, right? And so that you and I can agree on, I think. And it just doesn't seem right. Um, and that other players would probably agree that it doesn't seem right. Um, but, you know, if somebody else at the table is doing it, then I would feel a need to, at that point, if I had the technology available to me and I knew the guy in seat seven was using this and I'm in seat three... Uh, I don't think I'm gonna not do it if I want to, right? I don't know. I don't know. I think we're getting into a territory here that <laughs> you know, especially because when you talk about uh, you know the show one, show all, and what did he show his friend? That that's actual information given up. If somebody mumbles something under their breath, doesn't mean that seat one can hear what seat two said just because he's right next to him. Right, you know but I mean? that player has information that other players don't have. They may or may not. It depends, and that doesn't matter. If somebody's talking, you don't say, <laughs> hey, what did he say to you? They, they don't have to tell you what he said. So now you're hearing it with a... That's the discussion we should be having now. Is the, I mean, that's been the... the but fact. that's not information. People talking is not information. The cards are the information. Uh, I would disagree with that. You I'm can't you can't request what he... Dealer, what did he say? No, you're wrong. You can't do that. You, hey, dealer, what did he say? No. He's right, not going to tell him what he said. This is getting into a really interesting discussion now, so I'm glad we had a really, a really lame call the floor this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many times have we talked on the show about uh, don't show your cards when you're your buddy when you're folding? Oh my god, can you believe this? Too many times. Wait till the hands over and just tell him what you had, right? Right. Too many times. So how is this any different? At the end of the hand, now you whisper to your buddy, I had aces there. Now your buddy, or uh, it's usually not the buddy. It's some guy that actually doesn't care about what you had that you are inflicting on his personal space, right? Now that guy's got information because he's sitting right next to that guy that no one else at the table has. Now I'm not suggesting that that we go to a, a community now where everybody has to shout everything they say so everybody can hear it. But I, I guess I'm making the point that I, I don't think it, it's unethical for a player in seat seven who has the ability to hear that conversation to hear that conversation if he or so chooses. But he doesn't have the ability. He has technology that's giving him the ability. Well, the technology is the ability. No, the technology isn't his ability. Poker is about people against people. It's not about machines against people. Okay, so then no one can wear glasses at the table anymore? That's not a machine. That's not helping you see the guy's cards. That's helping you see the cards on the table. That's the information you're acquiring. It's not the same thing. 
You're uh, but using technology to, to hear people across the table. I bet you Joe Navarro would say being able to have good enough vision to see tells on people's faces makes a difference. Again, that, we're not getting the vision beyond what human capability is when they put glasses on. You're using something that hears better than human earring. Again, I go back to the vision. If your hearing is at the high end of the range, I'm actually, I was Googling. That's what you probably heard me typing. I was trying to figure out whether there is a, a 2020 of hearing, and it doesn't seem like there is. There's a range, but... Right. Um, I you know I don't know I mean they're not bionic I, glasses. They're not, let's they're be honest too. Google no, glass. some people have better hearing than others, right? If you're a mom, you can hear everything. <laughs> Moms never miss anything. So didn't we have this discussion about Google Glass? And Google Glass was they wouldn't let you wear it because you could use it to look up stuff online while you're playing during a hand. And well, that was the same yeah. technology. That's technology yeah, that's, that's giving you an advantage and giving you information that is not given to the rest of the table. It's the same thing. Uh, no, nah, it's not because when somebody mentions something at the table, they speak it, and if somebody hears it, that's information. It, it, it's available for everybody. It, I mean, if you're the farther you're away, the less likely it is that it's available to you. But it's available. Google Glass, you're sitting there and you've got odds calculating, you know, in your glass, and there's a specific prohibition from having that, you know, being on your phone in the middle of a hand, right? Right. So if the casino said, hey, sorry, in the middle of the hand, you have to take your hearing aid out, then, yeah, I would agree that that's a parallel discussion. But they're not going to do that because some people need the hearing aid to hear. It's just that it's not doing it beyond the human capability. Hearing aids don't give you beyond what humans are available to be able to I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I, you know, I, I don't know if that's a strong enough argument. But, again, I think we are united in the fact that since we're having this discussion, <laughs> this long of a discussion, that – Eh, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. I, I, how about uh, if the vision, if someone gave you glasses that could make you see to the next table, and then you can see the whole cards of people that you're sitting behind, and then eventually that will help you because you're getting information from that guy. You're in the same tournament as everyone else. You're privy to what he's but folding. Again, that's different information. I don't think a casino would have a problem with you hearing what, in seat seven, hearing what seat two said using some kind of device. Whereas if you could see somebody's whole cards or see through the cards, yes, the casino obviously would have a problem with that. Mm. Yeah, this is, this is definitely one of those gray lines, gray matters, whatever you want, <laughs> gray areas that you don't... A whole lot of gray area to swim around in. Yeah, it's point. crazy. <laughs> so I hope we helped you, Tom. I don't know if we did or not, but that's... Uh, it, I, I think it doesn't pass a smell test, so I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, it's unethical for now. And If it comes up again, we'll see how the casinos react to it. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcastandannyatmagazine.com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This is Ed. He says, in a tournament, uh, an early position player raises. It folds to the big blind. The big blind pulls his blind back to his stack, then says, never mind, and throws the blind back and folds. Should this be a call? All right. Make a sandwich. It's going to take a while to get through this one. <laughs> Elliot says, as discussed, there is nothing more than a fold. Yeah, there's nothing more than a fold here. It is <laughs> All the, right, guy, the guy folded. Hope you had a finger sandwich instead of a real sandwich. Sorry. We, I remember one time, though, not to make it any longer, I remember one time when I was playing one of those free leagues when we first started the company and we were trying to get you know more publicity and stuff. I was playing in a free league, and guy pulled his big blind back into his hand, threw it into the pot, and then the dealer did the the flop 
And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we're like, what? He's like, I was going to raise. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you can't grab your blind, throw it in the pot, and then make a raise. I mean, that's your forward motion. Everyone here understands that when you do that, you're checking. And he's like, no, I wasn't checking. So don't touch your chips. You know, if you're folding, you're folding. If you're raising, you're raising. But if you're going to touch the chips, you know, you're going to confuse people. And that's well, yeah. This guy and did. I imagine if Ellie would have wanted to be more verbose here, what he would have said next was, uh, as discussed, this is nothing more than a fold. However, don't touch your chips. Yeah, don't touch your <laughs> chips. Because the chips are in the pot, and, that, and I think some players don't understand this: is those blinds are actually in the pot. They're yeah. not pulled into the center of the table yet, but they are actually in the pot. Right. You cannot take them back. You know that's why it's called a blind bet. It's a forced bet. So. You know, that money, those chips are going into the pot eventually. They're just for... Um, Visual, to, to yes, know where everybody is. To, to, help, to help the table understand what's going on. But they are in the pot, so you should never be to, never be touching it. Um, now, I know in some rooms, you know, when you're, you know, let's say it's flies for 200, 400, somebody raises to 1,000, you know, you go in and take your 400 out and put, replace it with 1,000 chip, and no one says anything about that. So there is kind of a gray area in this as well, too. Uh, but generally speaking, you should not be doing that. You should be, you know, again, verbalizing if you're going to do that. And then, you know, you could take your own change if it's that, something like easy like that. But there are some dealers that aren't going to want you to do that. The yeah, they don't want to do it either. Yeah, that's right. I'm here to make the change. I'll make the pot right. You just tell me what you want to do, and I will make it right for you. So I would say as a matter of a standard operating procedure, just never touch those chips. Just say, you know, in that scenario I just said, I will call the 1,000 and put a 1,000 chip in there and let the dealer push the 400 back to you or tell you to take it back yeah. and then you can back. But yeah. you should be touching it. So that's why I think where it got confusing for Ed here is that, you know, I think he's rightfully saying, hey, this guy is touching his chips and pulling it back. Uh, is that some kind of action move? Um, and Elliot's right. No, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but a dealer should admonish that player politely and say, hey, you know, don't touch your chips. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're folding, you're folding. If you're raising or, or filling, just don't touch the chips. And then when you fold, say, I'm folding. And then it doesn't cause any confusion to the players. So. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to learn what an O'Malley's move is today. See what he did. <laughs> but first, we're going to do part one, and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing in a standard $1, $2, no limit hold'em casino cash game. This table has been fairly loose passive with one maniac and one fairly solid opponent who plays the players more than the cards. The blinds post, and we're under the gun with the ace of clubs, king of spades. It's early-ish in the night, so we haven't seen too much action yet. In fact, this is only going to be our third hand putting chips into the pot voluntarily. We make it $15 to go, which is our standard under-the-gun raise. An MP calls and the button calls. The button is a solid player who plays the opponents more than the cards. He sits with 375 to our 225 and has built his stack up nicely throughout the night. When we sat down, he had less than $200 in front of him. There's $45 in the pot, and the flop is the king of diamonds, queen of spades, queen of clubs. This flop doesn't scare me. I think we have the best hand, but if anybody has a queen, they'll surely let us know. We make it $30 to go. The MP folds, but the button calls. 
There's $105 in the pot, and the turn is the Jack of Diamonds. I don't like being out of position here, but I still think we are ahead of a lot of hands this player could have. We do a little blocker bet of $45, and once again, our opponent calls. There's close to $200 in the pot, and the river is the tray of clubs. A total blank. So, we put $90 in the pot and have $135 left in our stack. With $200 in the pot, the only bet that makes sense is a shove. We could check, but then what's going to be the play if he shoves? Are we ahead of his range or behind it? What's the move? Well, as O'Malley said, it's really tough being out of position here as we haven't got a ton of information for our 90 bucks. Uh, I can't imagine not seeing a showdown here, uh, so normally that means we should shove. Uh, but since our player has been described as one who, quote, plays his opponents, uh, I think we have a better chance of getting value out of his hand with a check and letting him bet into us. Uh, if he has his beat, we're losing either way. Uh, but if we are ahead, this is our best chance to get some chips from him and likely the full amount. Yeah, I think it's a pretty standard check call here. Um, I, to go a little bit earlier in the hand, I might recommend the check on the turn for a floater to make a bet there and then again on the river to get more value. Um, a check on the end with the way we've played it thus far could let this player out of the noose. So um, I'm, I'm going to check call, but we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, here comes part two. Hello again. I'm willing to shove my stack in here, but I don't necessarily want to. Here's what I've decided. I'm going to check and call any bet this opponent makes for two reasons. One, I think there is a good possibility we have the best hand. And two, since this is the opponent that plays the players more than the cards, he might see our check as weakness and will most certainly make some kind of a bet. Probably a shove. I'm thinking there's a small possibility it goes check-check, but I really don't think that's the case. We check. Like clockwork, our opponent shoves. And, sticking to the plan, we call. Good call, he says, and flips over. 10-10. We table our ace-king and rake in the pot. So, were we too reckless with this one? Or do you think we played it well? Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes you gotta play a big pot in a tight spot. I hope to see you on the felt. It was like O'Malley was reading my script. <laughs> that opens exactly. Um, and uh, I, he said it was re- he might have been reckless. I don't think it was at all reckless here. Um but that's also mitigated a little bit by the chip stacks we had. I mean, we had uh, 135 left, so I mean, I'm not too worried about getting it in there. If we were playing really deep, though, then it's a diffi- uh, much uh, more difficult decision, and then maybe at that point we can get into reckless territory. But um, as played and, and with the chip stacks, I, I don't think anything reckless about this check call here. No, I mean, if you truly believe your chips are tools then making the right decision really shouldn't matter if you're deep either. If it's the if you're in your mind it's the right decision, then it's it's that's not money in front of you. It's it's just tools of the trade and how you get more chips. And I'm glad we that he bet on the end and I'm glad that we called. And uh but I just feel like, you know, I don't know if my stack would have made a difference there. I think it was the right move. And you're right, it probably wouldn't, uh, but it makes it easier to make that decision without feeling reckless, right? I guess, uh, maybe, that's, I guess. maybe that's the way I should have phrased it, but I mean, the reality of the situation here is is that we we had a hand that we thought had showdown value. We our read on the player was that he likes to play his opponents. So once we slow down here, now he's like, "All right, yeah, you're concerned." Like it, so I'm going to bet because that's how my game is. So we've made that determination. So 
Um, so yeah, whether we had 5,000 in front of us or 135 in front of us, you're right. It should have made a difference based on that. So we made the right reads and all that. And I think that's not reckless, but yeah. Um, I guess the only reckless part would be if we had the wrong read on the player. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But you trust your read and you trust your chips. You put them in. Oh, we should get that on a t-shirt or a bumper. <laughs> Can make a lot of money on that. <laughs> All right, sign for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Remember Jason Booker? He's back, Chris. Of course I remember. Matter of fact, I'm so glad he's on the show because he's going to need a little uplifting after my Yankees beat his Red Sox to move in the first place. <laughs> it's a long season. Yeah, so, I, know. So. I know. But it's it's I'm enjoying it while I can. So Fourth place. So. <laughs> All right, uh, it's a $5 multi-table tournament on carbon poker. Wow, it's still around. Either that or maybe he just maybe he sent this email years ago and it just finally <laughs> made it through the internet. <laughs> uh, blinds are 200, 400, and he says, I'm in the big blind with a 16,000-unit stack. Um, I have no reason, the uh, people, because I'm playing three tables and watching the NBA playoffs at the same time. Uh, not optimal, but very entertaining way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Uh, under the gun limps, under the gun plus one limps, under the gun plus two limps. Small blind calls for 200 more, so everybody's in, Chris. And we okay. look down at Jack of Hearts, Six of Hearts. Shove. <laughs> that we should get on a tape. Yeah, Sorry. just shove. Chris Casenza, shove. I mean, seriously, uh, you're probably just going to check your option. But um, there is a, I mean, it's a lot of money. It's ridiculous. But there is a a line of thought that says, hey, um, you know, I forget the name of the plague. It's been years, but they just say, you know, you're in a tournament and everyone's limping to you. You know, they, they start to break it down person by person. This this person would never limp here with a good hand. This person would never just call with a good hand, knowing that the person behind him is probably going to have odds to just limp. You know what I mean? And they went through the whole system and they're like, yeah, so it's on you now. There's no reason not to shove here because there's no way somebody's calling you. So it's funny. I'm not actually suggesting that here, but there is a move here to be made that if you just want to steal that and move on and have to deal with being out of position for this hand with crappy cards, then, you know, you really could conceivably just make it a big raise here and they'll all fold. You know, I mean, there's a possibility the end of the gun has something like aces and he's being tricky, but how many times has that happened in a tournament, really? So there is a, uh, a yeah, train of thought I actually here. like raising. I mean, your shove is a little ridiculous, yeah, right. but... I actually do like raising here because of the same all the points you made. Everybody's in here, right? So certainly the only person that should have a decent hand here is under the gun. Um, the rest, you know, are just trying to see this flop cheaply. I would imagine, right? Right. right. So and we've got a hand that's not terrific at all. I mean, it's we got some flush possibility there, but that's about it. And it's a really weak hand. So what are we hoping for if we check here going to the flop? We're hoping for a, you know a slot machine, couple jacks, couple sixes, yeah, um, or a flush that has the ace, king, and queen. <laughs> ace, <laughs> um, so I mean, the chances of something coming on the flop that are going to make us feel comfortable about this hand are very, very uh, limited now. So why not thin the field at least, right? So if we put a raise in, and let's say the undergun does actually is is you know doing the re raise with aces, well we're going to find out right away. And I would rather commit whatever my raise is going to be here early and then know, all right, this guy's got a real hand, than get later on to this hand. Let's say, you know, we get some, you know, two hearts or something and we get sucked into this hand. It would be nicer to just get out of it now. And if the other guy doesn't have anything, then we, now we just picked up, 
everybody's yeah, money. twelve hundred easy. I mean, so I would think if you're going to raise, you'd make it like twenty five, twenty six hundred, because you're thinking three X is twelve hundred. Then you got four, basically four limpers in there, which is another sixteen hundred. So, you know, something around twenty five, twenty six hundred, or even three thousand might get it done. It seems kind of big for a raise at two four, but really, if you're if you're really just adding their their limps and onto the, your three X, that's what you normally would do, and that's what the book says. So. Making it twenty five, twenty six hundred here and taking it down. And if if they don't, if somebody calls you, then you can represent it and you make another half pot bet or something. You take it down, they've made a ton of money. If you don't, you still have eleven thousand chips with two hundred, four hundred blinds. So to me it well, might be worth it. I would argue too, if you feel uncomfortable going to that high, I think even a raise to sixteen hundred would give us the effect we're going for. Um yeah, that's probably. gonna that's gonna clean out at least two of the limpers, maybe three. Um and it could still win us, you know. If no one has anything, that's still a significant. Who's going to put an extra twelve hundred in now? Yeah. Yeah. If they don't feel comfortable about it by their hand, right? So it's still going to win. Um, and then you know, if the under the gun uh, under the gun reshoves at that point, now now you've committed, now you've saved eight hundred over what the right raise should be, and it might be easier for you to say, okay, fine, because that that's only ten percent of your stack now, so. Um, you know, which you do almost all day long on a set mining thing, right? right. So, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of just throwing chips away, but we're we're not throwing them away here. We're, we're being very strategic about trying to win this pot with a hand that we have no business winning the pot with. So, I thought I might settle on that, and I might settle on raising 1600, and and at, at best case, thinning the field out to maybe heads up, and worst case, uh, undergun re raises or something like that. And all right, well, we took a shot. Yeah. So they're all taking shots from time to time. Yep. Bet 10%. Didn't work. Move on. All right. Our hero decides to check. Um, so, I don't know. Again, I mean, you don't have to bring more units in, so you can't lose anything more than this. But right. not entirely sure what you're hoping for. So, All right. The pot is a 23-20. Flop is the four of hearts, queen of hearts, king of clubs. And I think we know where this trouble is going <laughs> to take us <laughs> Uh, small blind checks to us, so now it's on us. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think we need to to bet here. I mean, it's nice to bet because you've got something. You're betting a draw, and you know, you, maybe they'll all just fold. But there is no way you know what these people are holding. So, you know, you're going to have to hit your hand if you bet. And if you bet, and people behind you call you, you're playing the rest of this hand out of position. And with not even really a good hand. I mean, you've got, you know, the what the fourth best flush or whatever it is. So I don't know, but it's 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 oh, jack it's high. The, it's the queen least game. So yeah, so ace could beat him, king could beat him, and then so then he's got the third, basically the third best flush out there, if it gets there. Um, and again, if you're willing to bet now, you could have been willing to bet preflop and just take it down. So I think I might just check and. And see if I can get to that turn for a, a reasonable cost, and then uh, take it from there. You know, it's not a great flush draw. You really don't have any. You have some backdoor things. You know, some sort of backdoor Broadway, but that's you're probably never going to get there. So I, I would. I, I sometimes I bet. It depends on how confident I think these people are. But really, this is the type of hand that would hit people who are limping with Jack Ten, with uh, any suited Ace. Um, even a king that they fall in love with. My dad does that. My dad will play any king in his hand, no matter what it's paired with. Yeah. So you know you're you're going to get a call probably if you bet. So maybe just check and see if you get a card for free, and then if not, 
and maybe they'll just bet something small because they're obviously not aggressive the way they've played this hand so far. And then you get to see the turn for a cheap price and then make your flush and take down a reasonable pot. So I think I'm going to check and then call anything reasonable. So a small detour just because you mentioned your dad's story. I thought it was funny. So uh, I love this this Netflix series, The Crown, which is about Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. And, um, so there's a scene on this episode I was watching the plane back where you know, the the king that ab- abdicated to uh, marry his uh, divorced uh, fiance, right? Uh, and he was playing cards, and he—I don't know what game it was, rummy or something—but he, he threw down three kings, and was just mortified because they didn't remind him again what he—he's no longer king, right? Yeah, I just think it's kind of funny actually to see people, actual kings, play cards. And, <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. I haven't watched The Crown yet. I'm waiting to binge. Yeah, because that, that's going to completely ruin the, your whole. Now story. the whole show's ruined for me because I know that moment's coming. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I don't know when though. <laughs> uh, all right, but back to the hand. I this, it's actually really interesting here. So I I would advocate normally. I would like to bet here. I think because again, no one showed any interest in this pot. Oh, they showed meager interest in this pot pre-flop, right? Right. Um, so generally, when that happens, the first person to bet wins the pot. Now we have a king and queen out here, so that's probably not great uh, odds of that happening. But I would rather be the one to put some money in here. Um, additionally, we do have the flush draw, and we did get lucky that one of the cards above us is there. So you know, if we hit. There are two flushes that are are better than us. Uh, but still, I mean, at that point, if we hit the flush, now we can. Now we have some misdirection where we can check behind and maybe induce a bet from someone hopefully not somebody holding <laughs> a higher flush but uh but the only fly in that ointment is that the king is out there so if if somebody is sitting on the king of hearts and another heart um they're not going anywhere here although they might raise you and if they raise us here then then i feel comfortable getting out again right so mm. that's the only fly in the ointment here but i i, I kind of like i might throw a thousand in here just to see you know, I know we're not supposed to see where we are, but uh, that's really kind of what it is. I mean, I, I'd like to see how strong the people are um, in love with their hands right now. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 using Sklansky's sort of semi bluffing here, and you're hoping that the hand that you're semi bluffing with is going to either give you two ways to win, like he says, you're going to win either by betting and taking it down, or by making your hand and then taking it down, and you're also betting on the the odds that anybody who has a a decent ace of hearts in his hand is probably raising anyway. And if it's you know, if it's a suited ace, then that could be why they limped. So you have to be cautious. Like you said, you have to, you know, gauge if they raise. It's interesting. If you make it a bet of like, if you make it like a bet of a thousand and then they make it 2000, do you still go away? You know, it's only a thousand more to get, you know, maybe this guy's getting cute with his set of fours or something, or, you know, because uh, he, you know, I don't know. So it, that's a, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm just saying that's something that, you know, does that. Because you said if you raise, I can easily fold. But I don't know if I would fold for just a min-raise. You know, does somebody actually min-raise a flush draw? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I I guess if that happens, I'm going to call the 1,000. I'm going to check the turn no matter what it is, even if it's a heart. Right. It is a heart. Um if they don't have the flush, they're probably going to check behind, and then I can bet the river. Or if they do have the flush, maybe they're getting cute, and we are. <laughs> yeah. Still bet the river to have them raise us, and then we'll figure it out at that point. I, I don't think there's a lot of danger in that if that happens. I mean, especially these five dollar tournaments. You know, you, you're thinking that there's people out there who will think their seven eight of hearts is good when uh, they get the flush, and it's yeah. not. So you know, there there's a lot to consider. You consider the the buy in. You consider the way they entered the hand. 
their stacks, their chip stacks, the way they fight other hands. You know, he said he didn't get any reads because he's playing three tables and watching the playoffs. But um, to me, yeah, I, I don't think I'd go away for any raise. It just depends on what that raise would be. But all right, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. So <laughs> I would check. You would probably bet. I would bet a thousand. Okay. So um, all right. Uh, Jason says, with so many players in the pot, I'm not really excited to get aggressive here. I check and plan to call any reasonable bet with my flush draw. And now I'm going to argue this is the worst case scenario now. I think you know, now we're just hoping to hit the heart, and we don't know whether that heart is good for us now. Um, I, I mean, I don't want – I don't want. I, here's the danger, I think, at the beginning of the hand we mentioned is that you end. this is a hand that can bleed you dry. You know, 400 bucks here, 1,000 here, 2,000 here. Next thing you know – you're down to seven thousand, <laughs> and you get nothing out of it. So, I'd be worried about that. But I guess we'll see what happens. Um, under the gun, uh, who has a squiggly twenty thousand bets four hundred, very small. Hmm. Uh, gets the two middle players out, but the small blind calls, and the small blind we have covered is uh, ten thousand five hundred is the stack. So back to us facing a four hundred dollar bet. That's an easy call to me. Now the pot's getting a little bit bigger, right? Right. We're still out of position to at least one one person um but to me i mean somebody has like kings here generally they're making a bigger bet than that generally because they want to dissuade anyone from calling the heart draw and the broadway draw and the straight any straight draw so um i I think that that bet could be a, a, a lone king or or a queen to feel it out, or something. I don't know, but to me, it's not enough to make me fold. That's for sure, and it's not. It's not telling me this guy has an ace high flush draw either. I don't think so. But to me, that bet is one of two things. It's is a an inexperienced player. Now again, we're in a five dollar online tournament, so yeah. that's a very real possibility. Yeah. Um, or it's a KG bet from someone with a set, and if that's the case, I'm not worried about that because the only way I'm going to win this pot anyhow is by hitting my flush, and if I hit my flush. Um, it would be a set if there's the board is going to be a set as long as the, yeah exactly so uh, there's nothing about this bet that scares me right now so I'm I'm happy to call the 400 and then see what happens but if we miss on the turn and I'm facing a significant bet at that point I think I got to let it go and at that point I guess I've only wasted 400 right because we didn't raise we only put a 400 dollar bet in here now so that's that's a good day at the office for speculating yeah. so yeah the blinds were forced in there anyway. So basically, it's only costing you extra four hundred than you wanted to, and you got sixteen grand. So this is nothing. All right, our here says uh, folding's not an option, and um, not really interested in playing a big hand with a medium flush draw. I think this is an easy call with over three thousand in the pot, so I call for four hundred. All right, all on the same page again. Yeah, thirty-five twenty in the pot, and the turn is the eight of clubs. So the board now is four of hearts, queen of hearts, king of clubs, eight of clubs, small blind checks to us. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm betting. I, it, one, I don't think the eight completed anything for anyone, so I'm not going to believe any bet now. So if no matter what the bet is, as long as it's not ridiculous, I'm calling it because well, yeah. I, no I think one I know, proved. I'm, I'm no more fearful of this than I was. Yeah, would be, uh, it, it does put another club on the board, so other backdoor flushes got there, but I can't see that's why these people were in the hand. So. I'm not going to try to force somebody out with my speculative hand to make their speculative hand go away. I don't think that's going to work. And so, if a club comes, we're not going to win any. Again, the yeah. only way we're winning this pot now is if a heart comes. Yeah. So, you know, at this point, I know I was advocating a bet on the flop, but now because we let the under the gun drive the action, now it seems really weird to bet. So I'm going to check, and then hopefully 
he puts in a another four hundred dollar or an eight hundred week some kind of bet like that, that's an easy call for me. Yeah, the only I don't want to poke the bear. The only thing that I would caution or bring up here is that if you're check calling, check calling, when your flush does get there, then you've got a decision to make because now you bet. Now it's like okay, we we know you got the flush, you know, and you're not going to get paid off. Or do you check and hope he bets again, and then you can check raise? And so it's some there's some thinking to do about should I make some sort of aggressive move now so it looks like I'm not going for the flush. I don't know. That's an interesting way of thinking. Uh, yeah. about it. Well, yeah, I guess with with more information on this player, which obviously we don't have because we're watching the playing three tables watching, uh, if we thought that, that if we could control the action with a bet here, that's interesting. But then at that same point, if a player's going to allow us to control the action here, they're not going to get what we're trying to do. Yeah, so, yeah. So that, doesn't, that seems like a big risk to me now. So uh, to me, it's, again, an easy check. And yeah, yeah. It's a weak bet. It's an easy call, and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, let's check. All right, uh, here it says two flush draws out there now. I have a jack high. I have jack high and a flush draw. I don't think my opponents are particularly strong, but this tournament is filled with calling stations. I feel like if I try to steal this pot here, I, almost, I will almost certainly be called by at least one of my opponents. I decide to check and plan to fold to a large bet. Under the gun bets 800 and the small blind folds, so it's heads up and back to us facing an $800 bet. Well, that he said it was like 3500 before, so you're looking at five to one on your money to make a flush this guy clearly exactly what i thought the guy was going to do he doubled his bet from last time it's still yeah. two weeks of the bet there's a lot of odds in there I, I don't feel like he's on a flush draw betting this way so this guy's a know. limit it's like this guy's a limit player you know yeah yeah so this is an 800 hour investment uh to hit my flush and win this pot i mean i'm probably not gonna get more money out of the guy if i do but i'll take the pot yeah plus uh if you were playing limit you would have called you're getting five bets to one on yours, so you would call this in a limit game. So no limit, it's, it's a no-brainer. So I'm yep. calling. Uh, and remember, our this opponent we have uh, has us covered too. So yeah, you know, some implied odds here if we can get him to call. Um, if we hit, so um, all right. Uh, let's see. He says back to me forty-three twenty in the pod and eight hundred to call. Am I getting the pod odds? Unfortunately, no time to go back and review the stellar pod odds program many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what a great callback. Uh, this is a small bet, and uh, I think I'm, gonna, I'm getting a good price to draw, so I call. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 51-20 in the pot, and the river is the seven of hearts. So the board reads four of hearts, queen of hearts, king of clubs, eight of clubs, seven of hearts. We hit our flush. Obviously, it's the third highest flush, and we are first to act heads up. Yeah, well, this gets back to what I was saying. So now if this person, obviously it seems this person is inexperienced, so maybe he doesn't even realize that you've hit a flush. Um, I don't know. Uh, if he was any kind of a player, he would that would be on his radar, the way you called, called, called. It could also be that you had a queen and you didn't believe him, or you had a naked king and you're just calling. So maybe you could put that together and not believe it's a flush. But either way, I'm betting now, because if I don't bet, he may now be nervous after all your constant calling and the flush does get there and he picks up on it you'll probably check behind for, for just showdown value. So I think I have to bet something, and it might be minuscule. If he's betting 4 and 8, then maybe I just bet 8 or, you know, 12 or something because, you know, just to follow his pattern or something. But maybe I just bet 8 just to see what this, you know, and if he raises me, I, I think I'm going to have to call. I, I, I don't feel like this was a nut flush or a second nut flush 
draw going against me here. So He's really good about this. So yeah. yeah. So I think I'm going to have to bet something, but something he can call, something that might relate to him. You know, where his 400, 800 bets. So maybe another 800 bet, maybe a 1200 bet. I don't know, but something that just well, seems like double, he has to so call. I might, I might go 1600. I mean, I, I'd like to bet 2000 here, but you're right. You know, if we can get him, I want to get him to call. So maybe. I would say somewhere between sixteen hundred and twenty four hundred would be the the right bet here. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to see this guy call that. I don't know. We'll see. Well, it just depends on how aware he is. If he's not aware at all, I would bet that much. If he seems and you can't tell you're playing online, there's just really no way. So I think I would bet less just because he's inexperienced. I feel like if you put a big bet out there, sometimes they freak. Oh, oh, four figures. I was only betting three figures before, you know. And then he then he wakes up and says, "Whoa!" And looks at the board and goes, "Oh, you know." What I mean, if you bet a little bit, he might just call. So there, there's a lot a lot of thinking they can get involved in this. So I'm going to bet less than you. The only hand I'm worried about is the Ace King of Hearts. Um, but he would have raised pre-flop with Ace King of Hearts. Maybe. How yeah, do you not raise with Ace King suited? Generally, pre-flop? he should. But I mean, but that would be the only hand I'm really worried about at this point. But it, it is unlikely. I mean, I think the rest of it, he's just playing very timidly here. Um, so I, I do think, as as Jason said, there's a lot of calling stations in here. So I, I think we are going to get a call out of this. It's just a matter of how much we can bet to get that call. Yeah. Right. He bet four hundred, eight hundred. So twenty four hundred is probably going to be too much. Um, Two thousand might actually be too much so i guess that's where i'm going to settle on 1600 and be upset if i could have got more out of them but okay um i'll bet like a thousand or 12 i think just to because i I gotta bet because i think he's going to check behind if we check so i want to try to get some money out of this guy against a more sophisticated player i would bet i'd probably over bet this pot and try to make it seem like we're trying to buy it yeah we're representing the flush that we didn't really have the whole time sophisticated so at this point i want to Put just enough out there that it'll, it's fine for him to call. All right. Our hero says, uh, a value bet around 2,000. We'll definitely get called by a king and maybe a queen. We'll definitely get called by a worse flush uh, draw. Uh, larger bet of 4,000. Probably will get called by a king and a worse flush draw. Check. This guy has bet three times. He'll probably bet again. If he bets small, I could check raise. If he bets big, I could just call. I guess the problem with the deck, other than the fact that he could check, which is a big risk, is the he's going to bet all again, right? So yeah. I, I guess if we're talking about our 1600 bet now, he bets 1600 that's the same thing. But anyhow, when we raise the bet, we're not going to get called by him, I don't think. So that's what I'd worry about there. I'd rather just set the price now and see what happens. But I don't know. Uh, all right. Our hero says, I play it safe and decide to check to see what he does. He checks behind and Ugh. shows. Ace King off for a pair of kings. He says, I should have put out the 2K bet. I definitely missed some value there. Ace King. How do you have Ace King in that race? This guy's definitely a newbie. I mean, very few people limp with Ace King under the gun. Uh, and you were talking about Ace King of Hearts, too, which I thought was impossible, but apparently no, it probably was possible. He probably listens to that podcast with that host that says Ace King's a drawing hand. <laughs> and get too committed to it at that point. But, man, boy, did, yeah, again, it's a five-hour tournament, so it's hard to be too... Yeah. Over critical these players, but that guy misplayed it in ways that I, I we don't have time to even go into. <laughs> yeah. Should have raised pre-flop. Definitely should have bet more on that flop. Definitely should have bet more on the turn. Way more on the turn. And uh, I guess the only thing he didn't screw up was not betting the river. Yeah. He, he probably is in danger there, so he's going to save his money and hope he had some showdown values. So, Jeez. but but yeah, I missed three streets of proper play there. Um, well, Jason, I hope you got a little consolation. You know, for being on the show this week for your Red Sox losing. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Locke. We'll see you at the table. 
Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>